Uh, it's been a great summer for us. Uh, lots have been happening with women's ministry, men's ministry, the Sunday morning group. And uh, yesterday we had a wonderful parenting class. There's almost 20 of us here. And uh, it, was, it was phenomenal. And, and the Lord really blessed that time. Uh, I do want to invite you uh, this coming Wednesday. It's called Wednesday at the Well. It's family night. And it's the end of summer, kind of kickoff into fall with the school year starting. And it's two hours here. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, we just need to be together. And we just need to enjoy each other's company. And there doesn't have to be an agenda. There doesn't have to be a program. Other than just come Wednesday night and we're going to have family night. Uh, we're going to have some games out on the patio area, um, some water games if it's hot, and it's been hot, you know, so, you know, you may toss a water balloon all ages, and, um, uh, you know, with the heat, we're going to open up the commons here, and I asked Jordan, we're going to um, set it up like we do for youth, and there'll be board games in there, there'll be a, an Xbox, I think, and, uh, you know, even if, Ernie, you can jump on Xbox if you want, yeah. you know, that's a video game, you know. So <laughs> your thumbs don't work that way, you know. So all ages, right? Just come, and uh, it's just a night to kind of take our, take our breath together, a collective breath together, enjoy each other's company. Maybe there's, you've been traveling, maybe at home it's been a busy summer for you. You're welcome to come join us. It's just a chance to catch up. See, a lot's been happening. Uh-huh. Six to eight. Can you put the slide back up? Six to eight p.m. Uh, out on the patio. Thank you very much. You can leave it up. And um, just come. And you say, what are we going to do? Uh, we're going to enjoy each other's company. And you might play chess. And you might play checkers. And Ernie might learn how to do the Xbox. And uh, we do have a little bit of a, uh, hopefully it all, all works out. We're going to have our version of a dunk tank. And uh, you'll be able to hit a target and a bucket of water. It's not a dunk tank. It's more like hit the target and drop a bucket of water on Pastor Tyler or myself or whoever else would volunteer. So all ages, you'll be able to try to do that on Wednesday. Uh, it's really just, you know, there's so much happening in life, so much happening in the country, so much happening globally that sometimes you need to carve out just a couple hours and just be and put a smile on your face. There'll be refreshments here and, and really just catching up. I know, you know, there's some that I haven't seen uh, very much this summer, so hopefully they come, and we just catch up and say, hey, what's been going on? And then you might even have a time to pray for each other. How can I pray for you coming into the fall? What's going on? Pray for the schools. Pray for what's happening in the country. So we might have a time of prayer and just kind of regrouping, taking a collective deep breath, and then we'll launch into fall, okay? Uh, speaking of fall, Jordan's going to come up, and he's going to speak about youth ministry. Yes, and this is working now. Just got to cycle power. So we're on. Uh, I do also want to say with the, the, uh, the thing coming this Wednesday, the family night, it is our official Crossroads kickoff. So just want to make sure everyone knows, you know, that's out there listening, if you are listening. Uh, this is really a time for the, the youth group to start up. And again, we're going to start off with some fun and games and just hanging out and having some good community. And then the following Wednesday will be our first official uh, just regular uh, fall youth group. And it'll be starting at 6.30. It's going to be here uh, just like we've done in the past. So we'll be starting that on the 31st. And then the following Wednesday, which will be the first Wednesday of September, is our home group. And if you're familiar, uh, something that we like to do the first Wednesday of every month really is a time for the youth, uh, both middle school and high schoolers, to spend time together uh, and really just generate a lot more community with, with each other and even it's a chance for us to do some, some serving. And uh, we'll, we have opportunities like that uh, in the coming months. But 
It will be the, the 7th from 6 to 8. It's going to be at the Body Comes. Uh, so if, and they have a pool. So just know that if you're coming, you know, you can bring swimming suit, towel, uh, and we're going to have some games, food. And we're going to try something a little different. We're going to have some uh, testimonies slash kind of a panel of some of the youth volunteer leaders. And so I'm going to be asking them some questions just as a, a chance for all of us to get to know them, this, you know, some of the new students to get to know them uh, and kind of hear their stories. Because um, you know, that's really helpful, you know, having people to look up to uh, in our faith, things that could be challenging or even exciting. Uh, so we'll be looking forward to that coming this uh, first Wednesday of September. Uh, we're going to continue this morning with Philippians 3, a letter from Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. And uh, I start with a question, would you rather, would you rather, now would you rather is a question, but it also happens to be the title of an icebreaker uh, that youth pastors across the nation use for years and years. It's called Would You Rather, and it's designed in a fun way to get kids talking and just kind of break the ice on youth night, right? So, so oftentimes at the beginning of youth night, myself or you know, uh, Garrett or Jordan would even do it sometimes. It's like, would you rather? You know, and we'll, we'll throw out a would you rather this morning. You know, would you rather be able to swim like a fish or fly like a bird? Think about it. Think about it. Just think about it. No right or wrong, right? This is the whole would you rather. It's just, you know, safe answers, right? But we'll, we'll do a little survey. How many of you would, would, like, would rather swim like a fish? Aquaman. All right. Okay. A few. The rest fly like a bird? Uh, Whoa, wow, wow, okay, okay, okay. Here's another one. Would you rather never, ever again lose your phone or never, ever again lose your keys? Mm, Okay, think about that. Nudge, nudge, elbow, elbow. (laughs) Want to answer for the person next to you, right? Okay, so how many would never, ever... Again, want to lose their phone. Okay. How many would never, ever again want to lose their keys? Right? Okay. Oh, that's about 50-50. That's about 50-50, right? Don't you just love it when you lose something? And I've done this countless times, but if you really think about the question, it's kind of an interesting question. Where did you see it last? If I knew where I saw it last... It would probably be right there. Where did I see it? Last? I, I, I don't know. It's just one of those questions. So I was thinking of this, would you rather, in light of the verses we're going we're gonna to be uh, looking at in Philippians 3. And I came across kind of a would you rather story from a devotional. And it says this, there's a story about a man who was slowly losing his memory. The doctor told him that surgery might reverse this condition and restore his memory. But a nerve might be severed in the process causing total blindness. The surgeon asked the patient, what would you rather have, your sight or your memory? The man pondered the question for a few minutes and then replied, my sight, because I would rather see where I'm going than remember where I've been. Interesting, right? Would you rather... Have your sight or your memory? And, and it's like, wow, what a, what a powerful way to, to introduce what the Apostle Paul is about to tell us because he's dealing with the past and the future. He's dealing with that very issue and what do we do with our past? 
as we desire to move forward in faith. In Philippians 3, 12 to 14, it says this. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians. Not that I have already obtained this. This is the goal of knowing Christ and knowing the power of his resurrection, right? Sanctification. He's not perfect. Or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. We talked about that last Sunday. One thing out of all the myriad of things, right? He decides one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One thing I do, and that one thing kind of has two parts to it, okay? It says, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead in verse uh, 13. You could put that up, right? So one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. And, and that forgetting what lies behind. The very, very challenging part of our lives with choices we need to make with what lies behind us. Our past. In the Bible exposition commentary, it says this, too many Christians are shackled by regrets of the past. They are trying to run the race by looking backward. No wonder they stumble and fall and get in the way of other Christians. Some Christian runners are being distracted by the successes of the past, not the failures. And this is just as bad. The things which are behind must be set aside, and the things which are before must take their place. Lehman Strauss says this, with many of us, that tendency to live in the past prevails. We either rest on some accomplishment as though we have arrived, or else we live in the sagging spirit of regret over past failures. Forget the past and press on with the determination that each new day will find you more like Christ. Never look back on your past in such a way that it impedes Further progress, retrospection can be very depressing. So question before we look in and dive into this verse. How much time do you spend in retrospection? How much time did you spend this past week thinking about the past? Good and bad. Right? How much time? And and, and what did it do to you emotionally, mentally? How did it change your attitude How did it change your enthusiasm for Christ and for moving forward? How did it shackle you? How does it impede you? But fundamentally, how much time do you and I spend in the regret, the shame, the guilt? Anybody have a list of shoulda, woulda, couldas? Right? It's crazy. Hindsight's always 20-20. So, of course, you, you're, you're older now and you look back, maybe teenage years or young 20s if you're way past that, and you're like, man, I should have. Man, I could have. If only I knew I would have. Right? You look back, and, and if you're not careful, it can send you down a bit of a rabbit hole. And the Apostle Paul is telling us today that he, he's chosen to do something with his past. What lies behind? And we have to be very clear about what he says, right? In verse 13, he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Now, 
Very important that you understand what he says, when he, what he means by forgetting. It's not denial. It's not wiping the disk drive clean. Okay? It's not pretending it never happened. That's not forgetting. What it means, okay, is that it's a conscious refusal not to let the memories of the past absorb my attention to the point that it now impedes my progress. That's what he means by forgetting. And this is where many of us need to understand how to biblically process your past. It happened. In the timeline of your life, those things happened. You did those things, or those things did happen to you, those circumstances. But many of us have never really understood, even what he's saying here, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? How many of you desire to be more like Christ? Okay. How many of you at times find the old you, your past, hindering and impeding? You're like, what's going on here? Well, it might be because you've not understood this principle of forgetting the past. That you have a choice. You have a choice. Again, it's not living in denial. It's not burying your head in the sand. It's not going to some strange place and living in some la-la land. It's actually sitting there, accepting the reality of it, but choosing, choosing not to let it absorb you, your attention, your emotions, everything to the point where you're stuck and now you're impeded in your spiritual growth moving forward. Amen? You and I have that choice. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying, right? Expositor's Bible commentary says, Forgetting did not mean obliterating the memory of the past, but a conscious refusal to let them absorb his attention and impede his progress. Again, it's a conscious choice. The verb when he says forgetting, it's present tense. It's continual. It's continual. It means every time the past comes up, you're going to have to make another choice. And then when it comes up two minutes later, you're going to have to make another choice. And then when someone in your family or your friends brings up the past, you're going to have to make another choice. It will become easier the more you consciously choose and you're aware of what to do with the past. It's just going to become, you're going to become more spiritually in tune in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to say, no, no, I choose not to let that impede my growth anymore. No, God has forgiven me. No, I'm a new creation. No, there is no, therefore now no condemnation. So you're going to start in the power of the Holy Spirit to now counteract the condemnation of guilt of the past. Amen? You're going to choose, like the Apostle Paul, to live in victory and say, I'm forgetting the past. I'm forgetting what lies behind. I am now absorbed and consumed with my future. Amen? You have to, you have to understand this. Forgetting the past does not mean there's an empty vacuum and you're living in this nebulous gray. No. The verse says this, right? One thing I do, forgetting what is, lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. He, he removes, he puts forgetting the past. He doesn't, it's no longer absorbing me. Something new is absorbing his attention. Something new is the focus of his attention. It's being more like Jesus today and moving forward. Amen? See, it's not just forgetting the past and leave, living in some weird vacuum. It's like, no, I choose to put my, my past in its proper place. I choose not to be consumed by it. I choose not to let it impede 
my growth in sanctification today because I am focused today on being more like Jesus. And I'm so focused on being more like Jesus and loving God and loving others, I don't have time to dwell on my past. Amen? I'm so focused. I'm so committed. I'm so passionate about being like Jesus, loving him, loving others, serving others. I don't have time to dwell on my past anymore, yo. The yo is extra, right? So, <laughs> what we do, how many of us honestly can say that that's where we are? It takes one text, one email, one comment, one old photograph. And suddenly, the past comes flooding in, and everything comes to a screeching halt. And I've been there. I know. I got my past. And if I'm not careful, it just takes a few doors to open, and I'm right back 16 years old. And I'm right back, and I'm right back, and all the voices are right there as if it just happened yesterday. And all the guilt and all the regret and all the, just like it happened yesterday. But that's because I chose to go there. That's because I chose, right? What does it say about Satan? Revelation, Satan is what? Is who? The accuser. He's the accuser. So I want you to think, next time your, your past is coming up, with accusation and guilt and condemnation, where's that coming from? It's not from your father who sees you clothed in the righteousness of Christ, who's pleased with you. That's coming from somewhere else because the enemy knows one of the biggest obstacles to us moving forward is being shackled by the past. And if he can get us to live under the weight of accusation and guilt and shame and regret, our passion for Jesus, our passion for church, our passion for Bible, our passion for serving just goes right down the tank. And you know what happens? It's all about me again. Rather than my focus being on God and others and being like Jesus and all glory to Christ, when I go to the past, usually I end up with the universe revolving around me again. Woe is me, how could they have done that? Blame shifting, yada, yada. And my focus, just like that, can flip, okay? And it's interesting because it's not even what we would necessarily call the bad things that he's talking about when he says forgetting what lies behind. He's also talking about letting the good stuff go. In Philippians 3, he had given us his list of accomplishments, right? Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He's talking about, and, and what he's encouraging us, hey, you know what? Don't rest on your laurels. You know the crown of laurels? Back in the day, right, and this time was given to victorious generals and Olympians, runners, right? It's a symbol of victory and status, right? To rest on your laurels, here's a definition. To be so satisfied with what one has already achieved that one makes no further effort. 
Satisfaction with past success that leads to complacency, laziness. And if we're not careful, even in the church, how many of you would celebrate at this very moment, here or at home or when you're listening, how many of you would put your hand up and say, I celebrate what God has done in my life? I see radical change. I am a new creation. I wouldn't even been in church before. I wouldn't even wanted to read my Bible, right? And those are great things. We have to celebrate that. We got to give God the glory and praise for that. But we can't rest on our spiritual laurels. And that's what happens in a lot of the church. Because, again, if, if we wallow in the negative past, it's about me. And if I rest on my spiritual laurels, who's it again? About me. I'm good. Right? And it, so you, when he says forgetting what lies behind, it's all the good stuff. We celebrate it, but we got to keep it in the past. we got to build on it. And then it's the challenging things. And here's the thing about the Apostle Paul. He's a wonderful example of somebody who had to make some pretty heavy decisions about the things he had done in his past. 1 Corinthians 15.9. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Imagine the Apostle Paul. He meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. Jesus puts him in this incredible position to expand the church, to preach the gospel. And a whole lot of people weren't thrilled with him. A whole lot of people had family members and friends whose lives were destroyed by him. So imagine the Apostle Paul on one hand, celebrating meeting Jesus and in his humanness on their hand and saying, oh my gosh, how do I deal with my past life as Saul? And all the comments and all the people who still don't like me and still don't believe that I'm truly saved and hate me. And how do I deal with all the lives that I literally destroyed when I was persecuting So if you think you've got stuff in your past, in your B.C. days, before Christ days, well, take heart because the Apostle Paul is right there. He had to make the same decision in a very hostile environment now that he was saved from other believers. I mean, how would you feel if the Apostle Paul shows up and he had destroyed your family just a short time ago? How would you feel about extending the hand of fellowship? Would you want to sit next to him in your, right there in church? Would you say, come sit with me? Right? So he's right there with us. But here's, here's what's great. Here's what's great about this. Is that the Apostle Paul chooses to use his past as part of his testimony. And this is the choice we make. If you're going to forget Right? If you're a believer, part of forgetting your past, putting it where it needs to be, one of the very practical ways, turn it around and use it as part of your testimony. Right? 1 Corinthians 15.10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Amen? That is Paul saying, you know what? I'm not living in guilt. I'm celebrating God's grace. 
How many of you were here for Teen Challenge? Okay, there's your, there's your living example. They have turned their past into God-glorifying celebration of God's grace, amen? That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. We don't live in denial. We don't blame shift. If someone brings up your past, you say, you know what? Yeah, but isn't it crazy? By the grace of God, I am what I am. And you let them ponder that. You let them ponder that. I've shared with you before how strange it is, right? It was a couple months ago. I had a, uh, a friend from junior high. She, she visited with her husband. And it's just so strange for me when people from San Diego come up from my high school and junior high days come up. Because this was not me. I was not, a, I, was, I was pretty far away, you know, from what I'm doing now. And so it's always funny, because I always wonder what, what images pop into their head from me in junior high and in high school. I'm like, oh man, and you do what? You, you're a pastor and you sing worship, what? You know? And I have to literally get over myself and say, yeah, I know it's crazy. It's the grace of God. And I try to point them to God rather than kind of like, you know, I have to get over myself. I love this in Timothy. Here is a, a great example that Paul is using his past as a backdrop for the grace of God. He says this in 1 Timothy. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me. Okay, here it is, purpose. So that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. And all God's people said, do you love that? I love that. Leave that. Says, he, so that he could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Don't you realize your past can be so flipped by God that he's using you as a prime example of his grace? In your circle, in your friends, at your workplace, in your neighborhood. He, we, don't, we don't need to embellish how bad we were, and we don't need to try to clean it up. It just is what it is. But the glorious thing about it is that God can use us, you, everyone here, everyone at home, as a prime example of his grace. That's how the church explodes. Through you. Through you. That's when it becomes you're sharing your faith and it's not some four-step plan necessarily. It's like, hey, I just got to tell you something, man. This is what God did in my life. And it becomes very natural and just very conversational because you're just sharing your story. Sometimes we overcomplicate things. Well, how do you share your testimony? Well, here's three parts. And No, you just say, you know what? Yeah, God saved me because I guess he wants to use me as a prime example. 
that even with the worst of sinners, he has grace. Amen? It's so cool, right? And so this morning, maybe the starting point for you here or at home is, have you received God's grace and forgiveness in relation to the issue of sin and the penalty of sin being dealt with at the cross, the gospel, what we call the good news. Because here's what the Bible says. When you put your faith in Jesus, here's how we can biblically reframe guilt and shame and all the stuff of our past. Romans 8.1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Everyone say, no condemnation. Everyone say, I am not under condemnation. You really believe that? Come on. That is liberation. There's no condemnation, right? Look at Psalm 103. He has removed our sins as far as from us as the east is from the west. Isaiah 43, 25. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Now, this is very important. God is omniscient which means God is all-knowing. So God never forgets. Like, well, Bill, remind me again, what did you do in sixth grade? Because I, I forgot. Okay, that's not what it means when he says he remembers our sin. When it says he blots out your transgressions and will not remember your sins no more, you know what that means? He makes a conscious choice to not use it against you. He chooses, because you have put your faith in Christ, you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. When God sees you, he chooses to not remember your sin. Amen? Come on. Now, how many of you remind yourself of your sin? How many of you have a friend or a relative who like to, once in a while, or a lot, remind you of your past? Right? This is where we have to, as believers, this is, helps us forget the past. This helps us break bondage to the past. A, no condemnation. Amen? B, God, Father, remembers your sin no more. When he sees you, he sees you, his daughter, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He's pleased with you. Right now, as you sit here, positionally, in Christ... In Christ, right now, this very second, here, at home, whenever you're, wherever you listen to this, right now, if you are a believer, God is pleased with you. Couldn't be more pleased because you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Amen? He's pleased with you. I don't know, Bill. I don't, I don't know what to do with that. It's just... I'm just, you, I got, you, we all have to embrace it because many of us are still living under the law and the law called the past. You're still trying to make up for your past to God. You're still, you, you receive Jesus by faith. Okay, some of you, I, I've been in ministry a long time and this is kind of what some of us are very guilty of. You came to Christ by faith, but you're still living to try to prove to God that you really did earn it. You're still living under the law, 
because you're still trying to pay him back. If Mark, if I give you a gift, right? I like you. Let's say for your birthday, I give you a new pickleball paddle. Top of the line pickleball paddle, right? As a gift. And you receive it. But then in the back of your mind, it's like, oh, I got to pay it back. How many of you have ever received a gift and immediately thought, I got to pay him back? What did you just turn the gift into? An obligation. It was, it's, it's no longer a gift. It was no longer a gift. You changed it. And now you're under the weight of, man, now it's my birthday, wink, wink. I have to get him the equal or better, better paddle to pay him back. And then we're playing this weird game of gift giving. That's not really gift giving. It's obligations. That's what we do in, in church. How many of us came to faith? Remember, what does Ephesians 2, 8, 9 say? It is the gift of salvation, right? Let's put that up. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the what? Gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Everyone say gift. Salvation is a gift. That you receive. So stop trying to pay him back for the gift. This is where we live. This is why we get stuck. Because we turn the gospel, grace, gift, into obligation and duty. Rather than just saying, oh my gosh, hey Mark, where'd you get that new paddle? Oh no, Richie gave it to me. He did, why? It's a gift. Woohoo! Are you going to pay him back or anything? No. <laughs> it was a gift. And if I were to have given it to him with something expected, then it wasn't a gift anyway. But that's not the gospel, is it? Under the new covenant, God just wants him to love us. What's the greatest commandment? Love me. Out of the love comes the fruit of obedience. But we, how many are still trying to pay back God for the gift of salvation. Just receive it and fall in love with the gift giver. <laughs> Woohoo! How many of you have kids growing up? You had your Christmas gift list that you wanted, right? And you, when you were still young enough to just get the gift and start playing with it and not even consider how to pay back mom and dad. Anyone, right? I got the bike. I got the train. Let's just go play. And you just go. Da, 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 da. No thought whatsoever to having pay back mom and dad. You just got the gift and you just ran with it. That's the gift of salvation. Get the gift of salvation. Don't live under condemnation. Know that God remembers your sin no more. And just be free. Just be free. Okay. The Apostle Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, I strain towards the prize. Okay? So if he, Philippians 3.13 again says this, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. The Bible Exposition Commentary says this, Please keep in mind that in the Bible, in Bible terminology, to forget does not mean to fail to remember. Apart from senility, hypnosis, or brain malfunction, 
No mature person can forget what has happened in the past. We may wish that we could erase certain bad memories, but we cannot. To forget in the Bible means no longer to be influenced by or affected by. That's freedom. Now, how do we do that? We bring our past in light of who we are in Christ today as new creations. That's what we do. We embrace grace. We embrace no condemnation. We embrace the fact that Father remembers our sin no more, and we live in freedom. Okay? Not in bondage. Not in bondage. You know, in in, in the years that I've been in ministry, it's not uncommon that I get a a request for a, a home visitation. And sometimes I know why I'm being asked to come see someone, and sometimes I'm not. And years and years ago, before we even started this church, I was at, a, I was at another church, and I got a, a request to come visit a dear sister in the Lord. And when I got there, I discovered that my sister in the Lord had been involved uh, in a vehicle accident. And the result of this accident was that someone had died. And it was her fault. And I was called over there to spend some time with her because you can only imagine it was 100% an accident. That's why it's called an accident. Nothing reckless, nothing just one of those things. And she was trying to process the responsibility that someone had died. Not to mention all the legal and insurance and everything that was going to come. But the focus of our conversation, and, and she would say, what do I do? How do I do this? What do I, how do I... How do I because you can only imagine the guilt. You can only imagine the playing it over and over again. If I, I would have done something different. But how, how do I move forward? How, how do I process this? How, she's a strong believer. And yet, the circumstances of life, this huge thing had come up. And she is stuck. Grieving. And under a weight that I, could, I couldn't even fully fathom. I, I'm just trying to listen to her and trying to grasp. And, and you know what was really interesting is what I shared with her is kind of what I just shared with you. I walked her through Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation. I walked her through who she is in Christ. And I said, you know, at a certain point, you're going to have to choose what the Bible says is true about you as a person despite the accident. Amen? See, who she was in Christ as a, as a daughter of God, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, a new creation, none of that changed because of this horrific accident. 
But if she wasn't careful, she was going to let the accident, all the circumstances, completely erase all of that and get stuck. And so I, 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 I said, you know what? You're going to have to give yourself permission to receive God's forgiveness for whatever you think you might need. And then I told her, you know what? You cannot let the accident and the tragedy of, of a loss of life, you cannot let that define you. The Bible defines you. You're going to have to choose in the days and weeks and months and years as you move forward. You're going to have to choose very tenaciously and very perseveringly to just cling to the word of God. And what the word of God says about forgiveness and what the word of God says about you and what the word of God says about him. And that you're going to have, you're going to have times when the only thing you have is just the word of God. Because you're not going to be able to erase this. You can slice and dice it. You can look at this angle, this angle, this angle, and nothing will change what has happened. What can change is how you interpret it moving forward. Amen? What can change is how you view yourself in light of Scripture. Because that's how God still views you. Still views you. Nothing changed positionally. Nothing changed. And so, you know, for us moving forward, it's the same choice we need to make today. Maybe there's something in your life, and you're like, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? Well, if it's present tense, confess it and receive God's forgiveness right now. To confess... In the Bible, the word confess means to say the same thing as. So to confess means if the Bible, if God calls it sin, I call it sin. That's confession. I agree with God. I don't try to blame shift. I don't try to excuse it. To confess means, God, I confess this is sin. You call it sin, I confess. I take ownership, full responsibility for my actions. Call it what it is. Then you choose, repentance is a 180 degree turn. You choose to turn away from it. And to turn back to God. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. Okay? So maybe today someone needs to, you, just, you know. And it's time to make a decision. Confess. Maybe this morning you realize you've been shackled and hindered by the past. It's still, it's still like this. Uh, Bill, can you hand me that weight thing right there? Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you it's like 25 pounds. Maybe your past is like this weight vest. Put it on. You can function. Yeah, you can. You can still make progress. But I got to tell you, I bet there's some people here that just need to get this off today. And it's a weight vest called your past. It's just, you can choose. Forgetting what lies behind. I can take this off. And when I take this off, I am free to run the race. It's a choice you need to make. It's a choice you need to make today. What are you doing with your past? What are you doing with it?
Is your past still impeding, hindering, shackling, and, and sort of keeping you back from moving forward? What are you doing with that? Right? I came across this one article where, where they talk about your past, and, and this author talks about breaking up with your past. I like this. She says this. Breaking up with our past does not mean to ignore it. Removing sticky labels doesn't mean we pretend that the pain never happened. It is what it is. It shaped who we are today. It just means we won't allow it to control us anymore. We can learn from our pasts. We can heal from the struggles. We can believe that God will somehow use it all for good to help another soul. But we don't have to stay stuck there. It does not need to determine our tomorrow. And so I am making the choice. I'm breaking up with my past. I will not allow it to rule my thoughts. I, will, I won't let it dictate my future. I will choose to let the power of Christ remove the old labels. I will choose to move forward. I will choose to live free. That's the choice. Right now. Right now. I don't know what the labels are in your life. I don't know what the voices are. I don't know who put them there. I don't know what kind of guilt and condemnation and regret and shame and guilt you're carrying. But I'm telling you right now, in Christ, you can be free today. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's amazing when, you, when you're preparing for these messages that the things you come across. And I came across this tradition, this New Year's tradition in Italy, the south of Italy. Right? It's crazy. It says this. Perhaps the most hazardous of all the Italian New Year's traditions is this one, which involves throwing out old items from your windows. This tradition literally is out with the old. Practiced mainly in the south of the country, the custom is to throw your old things, particularly pots, pans, clothes, and furniture, out of the window at midnight. This is to prepare the house for the new good fortune that the new year will hopefully bring. It can be dangerous walking the south of Italy at the, at the strike of 12. Oh, dresser. I love that, though. It's tangible. It's tangible. They're doing something. They are ready to let go of last year's stuff. Empty it, clear the decks, and bring in the new. Amen? Well, we have to do that. You have to make a choice with your past. Toss it out the window. Put it in its proper place. Use it as a testimony for God's grace. You're a prime example. Right? This is the freedom we have. This is the freedom we have in Christ to reframe our past in light of our present and future. Amen? This is it. This is where the joy comes in. This is what the message the world needs to hear. This is it. We received the gift of salvation. We're not trying to pay him back. We're celebrating the gift. This is it. This is it. And so this morning, here's what we're going to do. You kind of 
know that there's a setup here. We're going to give you I, just a tangible opportunity to do something. Now, we're not going to throw stuff out the windows. <laughs> and I'm not saying throw stuff out the window, your car windows on your way home either, right? Here's what we're going to give you an opportunity to do. And in every seat, probably in front of you, most of you, unless you're in the back and you can reach behind you, there's a blue piece of paper with today's verses. And if God, through the Holy Spirit, has brought one or more items from your past that have kept you in bondage and have hindered your growth, Here's your opportunity to do something tangible. If you want, we tried to put pens in there too. You can write or not. No one's going to see this. In the commons, I know there's a group of you in there. There's a basket right under the TV. I put um, these blue sheets there as well. Here's what we're going to do for communion. If you're ready. If you want. If you're going to choose to forget what lies behind and strain forward. We're going to play a song. It's a great song. Amazing Grace. My chains are gone. And we're just going to give you an opportunity to respond. And the tangible, symbolic response will be this, if you want. This is representative of whatever it is, many items, one item, whatever it might be from your past. If you're ready today to say, I'm choosing to put it in its proper place in light of who I am in Christ. And come up during the song and symbolically put it in the basket and leave it here. And you can get a communion cup and just take communion. Go back to your seat and take communion. In the commons, you can do the same thing. There's a basket there. You can reflect and when you're ready in the commons, just if you want. Sit. And let God, through his Holy Spirit, bring to your heart and mind the things that right now you might not even be consciously aware of that are hindering you. Maybe you've asked God 10,000 times to forgive you for something you did before, but today you're going to say, thank you for forgiving me. You're going to receive the forgiveness. Some people keep asking and asking and asking, and today maybe you will say, God, thank you for forgiving me. I receive your forgiveness. I, re- I right now in this one area, I believe and on the authority of your word, I am not under condemnation. Thank you, God, that I know I've asked you to forgive me for this for 10,000 times, but today, God, I'm just gonna say thank you that you don't even remember what I'm talking about. I'm the one that keeps bringing it up to you. And you're like, what are you talking about? I forgot that. I choose not to remember it. Why do you keep bringing it up? Maybe today you're like, God, okay. On the authority of the word of God, thank you that you don't remember that anymore. I'm not going to remember it anymore. Amen? Today, if you choose, you can follow the example of the Apostle Paul. Forget what lies behind. Take off the weight vest. Receive God's grace receive the freedom that comes from his forgiveness and your identity in Christ. So we're going to pray. This is your time.
you can respond as you will. If you don't want to come up, there's still communion cups in your rows. That's 100% fine. I just want to give some of you an opportunity to do something tangible here and in the commons. Lord, listen to the song. We're not in a hurry. Lord, thank you. Thank you that today is a very, very important day for many of your children. Because the accuser has kept many in bondage. Many of us know the verses. Many of us may even assent and agree. But for some reason, when it comes to our own stuff, we're still in bondage. We're still not really convinced that we're not under guilt and condemnation. We're still feeling like we have to prove something to you, Father. Father, I think about my dear sister who was responsible for the death of somebody else. And she simply had to do what we do today, make a choice. Make a choice to believe you. Make a choice to believe your word. Make a choice to be free, despite the tragedy, to be free to move forward in her life. To learn the lessons she needs to learn, to receive your grace, to grow and mature but to move forward and not get stuck. So I pray for my brothers and sisters here in the commons at home or listening later that may be stuck in the past. Father, we know that the Bible says there's nothing hidden from you. So we confess Everything that needs to be confessed. We don't hide it. We don't blame shift it. But then, Father, we also know that the Bible says you remember our sins no more. So if we are forgiven, we're forgiven. And we receive that. And we celebrate that. And so, would you do what only you can do this morning here in the commons at home? Those who need to respond as the Apostle Paul One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I strain forward to what lies ahead. I pray in this time of communion, confession, prayer, that you would speak and that we would respond in faith and obedience. Uh, It's been a great summer for us. Uh, Lots have been happening with women's ministry, men's ministry, the Sunday morning group. And uh, yesterday we had a wonderful parenting class. There's almost 20 of us here. And uh, it, was, it was phenomenal, and, and the Lord really blessed that time. Uh, I do want to invite you uh, this coming Wednesday. It's called Wednesday at the Well. It's family night, and it's the end of summer, kind of kickoff into fall with the school year starting, and it's two hours here, and, uh, you know, sometimes we just need to be together, and we just need to enjoy each other's company. And there doesn't have to be an agenda. There doesn't have to be a program other than just come Wednesday night, and we're going to have family night. Uh, we're going to have some games out on the patio area, um, some water games if it's hot, and it's been hot, you know, so, you know, you may toss a water balloon all ages, and, um, uh, you know, with the heat, we're going to open up the commons here, and I asked Jordan, we're going to um, set it up like we do for youth, and there'll be board games in there, there'll be a, an Xbox, I think, and, uh, you know, even if, Ernie, you can jump on Xbox if you want, you know, that's a video game, you know. <laughs> 
So <laughs> your thumbs don't work that way, you know. So all ages, right? Just come, and uh, it's just a night to kind of take our take our breath together, a collective breath together. Enjoy each other's company. Maybe there's you've been traveling. Maybe at home it's been a busy summer for you. You're welcome to come join us. It's just a chance to catch up. See, a lot's been happening. Uh-huh. Six to eight. Can you put the slide back up? Six to eight p.m. Uh, out on the patio. Thank you very much. You can leave it up. And um, just come. And you say, what are we going to do? Uh, we're going to enjoy each other's company. And you might play chess. And you might play checkers. And Ernie might learn how to do the Xbox. And uh, we do have a little bit of a, uh, hopefully it all, all works out. We're going to have our version of a dunk tank. And uh, you'll be able to hit a target and a bucket of water. It's not a dunk tank. It's more like hit the target and drop a bucket of water on Pastor Tyler or myself or whoever else would volunteer. So all ages, you'll be able to try to do that on Wednesday. Uh, it's really just, you know, there's so much happening in life, so much happening in the country, so much happening globally that sometimes you need to carve out just a couple hours and just be and put a smile on your face. There'll be refreshments here and, and really just catching up. I know, you know, there's some that I haven't seen uh, very much this summer, so hopefully they come, and we just catch up and say, hey, what's been going on? And then you might even have a time to pray for each other. How can I pray for you coming into the fall? What's going on? Pray for the schools. Pray for what's happening in the country. So we might have a time of prayer and just kind of regrouping, taking a collective deep breath, and then we'll launch in the fall, okay? Uh, speaking of fall, Jordan's going to come up, and he's going to speak about youth ministry. Yes, and this is working now. Just got to cycle power. So we're on. Uh, I do also want to say with the, the, uh, the thing coming this Wednesday, the family night, it is our official Crossroads kickoff. So just want to make sure everyone knows, you know, that's out there listening, if you are listening. Uh, this is really a time for the, the youth group to start up. And again, we're going to start off with some fun and games and just hanging out and having some good community. And then the following Wednesday will be our first official uh, just regular uh, fall youth group. And it'll be starting at 6.30. It's going to be here uh, just like we've done in the past. So we'll be starting that on the 31st. And then the following Wednesday, which will be the first Wednesday of September, is our home group. And if you're familiar, uh, something that we like to do the first Wednesday of every month really is a time for the youth, uh, both middle school and high schoolers, to spend time together uh, and really just generate a lot more community with, with each other and even it's a chance for us to do some, some serving. And we'll we have opportunities like that uh, in the coming months. But it will be the, the 7th from 6 to 8. It's going to be at the Body Combs. Uh, so if, and they have a pool. So just know that if you're coming, you, know, you can bring swimsuit, towel. Uh, and we're going to have some games, food. And we're going to try something a little different. We're going to have some uh, testimonies slash kind of a panel of some of the youth volunteer leaders. And so I'm going to be asking them some questions, just as a, a chance for all of us to get to know them, this, you know, some of the new students to get to know them uh, and kind of hear their stories. Because um, you know, that's really helpful, you know, having people to look up to uh, in our faith, things that could be challenging or even exciting. Uh, so we'll be looking forward to that coming this uh, first Wednesday of September.